Hello and welcome to In A Good Place, the well-being and personal development podcast from Hello, hosted by me, Rosie Nixon. It's great to have you here. In each episode, I'll be chatting to an inspirational personality. And for this, our second season, I'm also going to talk to our guests about key moments when their lives moved into a new chapter. I'm calling this a reset, and it's a topic that gets me really excited. Since we launched this podcast, I've been on my own reset journey. I've refashioned my working life, going from editor-in-chief to the role of creative brand ambassador at Hello, allowing myself more time for my family and for my other passion, writing books. It has given me a new lease of life. So I thought this would be a really interesting area to dive into with my guests. So I've asked them to come to the recording with two reset moments for us to discuss as part of the chat. At the end of each conversation, there will be some takeaways and I guarantee you will feel one step closer to creating the life you want to wake up to. Here at Hello, we love smashing a taboo and especially when it comes to giving airtime to women's health issues. Did you know that one in three women will experience some form of bladder weakness in their lifetime? It's an especially common experience for new mums and 30% of women are using the wrong products to help manage these issues. It's important to always seek medical advice, but in the meantime, the 10 discrete ultra pads range are specifically designed for bladder weakness, keeping you dry and odor free for up to 12 hours. So as a busy mum, you can go about your everyday life in confidence. Thank you, Tenna, for being a part of our mission to support others in vulnerable moments. Thanks again to Tenna for sponsoring this episode. For more information, visit tenna.co.uk or give them a follow on Instagram or Facebook. And if you are worried about any symptoms associated with incontinence, always seek medical advice from your GP. Tenna Discreet Pads are available in all major retailers. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Millie McIntosh to the podcast. Having first found fame on our TV screens in 2011 as one of the original members of Made in Chelsea, where her daily life became compulsive viewing as she was part of the friendship group, including Spencer Matthews, Kaggy Dunlop and Ollie Locke, I remember it well, <laughs> who made the show such a huge hit. She was in Made in Chelsea for just two years and has gone on to become a superstar in her own right as a businesswoman, podcaster, fashion designer and influencer. From the Made in Chelsea partying days, her personal life has changed somewhat since Millie became a mother to Sienna 3 and Aurelia, who will be two in November, with her husband Hugo Taylor, whom she married on a Sussex country estate in June 2018 in an absolutely stunning ceremony exclusively covered by Hello. Millie is one of our most stylish stars, providing daily fashion inspiration to her 1.4 million Instagram followers. So I'm keen to talk to her about how looking great puts her in a good place too. She's also given me two brilliant reset moments that I'm sure will resonate and prove interesting talking points for many of you listening. Hi Millie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. And you do look absolutely gorgeous and very stylish. So I, I did put on a, a pretty dress for you as well. <laughs> um, but I tell me. was in my gym kit, but I, I put on a pretty dress. Yeah, I was in mine too as well at the school sports day just before this podcast. So luckily you haven't got the, the sweaty version of me right now. But tell me, are you in a good place? I am in a good place. 
Um, and I was delighted when I got the request to come on the podcast. I loved thinking of my kind of moments that I could that we'd talk about today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I feel I, like I am in a very good place. I, lo- I love talking about it. I love, you know, sharing on my journey on social media. Mm-hmm. And I feel very grateful to be in the place I'm in now. Oh, that is good to hear. And when I ask that question about are you in a good place, sort of what does it mean to you when you are in a good place? How do you know that you are? When you're in a good place, you're able to have gratitude for things and people in your life um, that make you happy on a daily basis. You know, I've got my two incredible children. Mm. Um, I've got my amazing husband like you know work is going well I feel like I've um, evolved a lot even in the last year on my own kind of personal journey Mm -hmm. which has had its ups and downs but I feel yeah very grateful to be where I am now. Mm. It's nice to remember that isn't it we do have a lot to be grateful for but that doesn't mean that there aren't difficult times as well and I think it's great how you've become sort of a spokesperson for mental health and you've really sort of been able to talk about, as well as all the great and the glamorous moments, the difficult times too. Why was that important to you? I think it's so important because Instagram is just this filtered highlights reel most of the time where you're, you know, if you look at it, you would just imagine that everyone on their life is perfect and they're mm. just all these like beautiful, glossy moments. But that is not the reality of everyday life. And it's so you want to show, you know, these happy moments, but I think it's also important to dig deep and actually yeah. share the uncomfortable, painful ones too, because mm-hmm. it helps people to feel less alone, helps people to feel more connected. And it's actually really helped me connecting with lots of people going through similar things, um, sharing our journeys. And I love hearing from other people that what I've shared has helped them as well. Mm-hmm. And you've just come back from a holiday a family holiday. Would you call it a holiday? <laughs> Having two children under the age of four. <laughs> it was because there was a fantastic kids club. And Brilliant. We like that. Last year, we only, only Sienna went in the kids club. I just felt like Aurelia was a bit young. Yeah. Um, she's only a few months old. And this year, they both went in together and they loved it. So Great. it was actually, I got a really good turn. Oh, that is good. You've hit a new level of holidaying when they can both go to the kids' yeah. club. So you got some sort of good couple time with Hugo, did you? Yeah, I read a book. Wow. I was like, wow. <laughs> I actually read a whole book and I got a tan. So that was a treat. That has not happened for a long time. You were winning. Do you get holiday anxiety, though? Because I, I have to say I often feel a bit slightly stressed when you've got all the packing to do you know you've got a flight to catch and is the place going to be suitable when you get there do you get that I get like insomnia the week before I don't know if other mums get this but I'll wake up in the middle of the night and be like I need to pack that and I like (laughs) literally I'm like why am I thinking about this I'm like just go back to sleep but like that whole week before I was awake at like 4am every morning and just couldn't go back to sleep and I would just make like lists I'd feel as I'd just get up and like to get stuff done. But yeah. I don't think, I don't know if other mums get that, but I was like, my brain was in like massive overdrive of preparing everything because my yeah. husband just plonks a few things in his suitcase. Packs for you know, himself. The, the night yeah, and that's it. <laughs> and, and I definitely do feel the pressure, like I want to remember everything. I want the girls to have like beautiful outfits. I want don't want to forget anything that would be crucial. Mm. And um, I don't find it very easy to pack 
light. I really tried on this trip to not bring too much. I think I did quite a good job, but that, that it's never ending. Yeah. Does the list making, though, help you to sort of keep the anxiety in check? Yeah, I find um, I find calmness and control. So I like my list and it helps me to, to actually remember everything. I find it really helpful because you can just take it off once you've packed it. And it was just remembering everything we might need on the flight. I mean, look, traveling with kids is no joke. Like, the, you know, the flights were, were challenging. I'm also a really nervous flyer. I'm actually doing a fear of flying course this weekend. Wow. Okay. Because it's something that's definitely, I've had it since I was a teenager and it's got worse since I had kids. And when I'm flying with the kids, I find it really difficult. Yeah. And I've had I've had like two panic attacks on planes now with them on the flight, and it's I just like I, it's so right. hard. I don't want them to see me like that. I don't want them to see me react like I said just like Sienna, mummy's going on a flight. Like I was, I went to a wedding at the weekend, and she goes, "Oh, are you going to be okay, mummy, on the plane? Are you going to cry?" And I was like, "Oh, like you know, it's really hard." I was like, "Oh, I just had something in my eye, darling. You no, know, oh, that's absolutely fine." But yeah. you know, she's so perceptive. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to explain to her that mummy got scared on the plane because I don't want her to get scared. I definitely find travel probably a bit more stressful than your average person because I've got this added fear of flying. But mm-hmm. I'm really, I've done some EMDR and I, it's something I've shared about on my social media as well. But I, I'm, I know I can crack it. I really think this course is going to help. What will the course entail? You go to Heathrow. And I'm doing BA1 and you go, you do like a morning of practical things. I think they just talk a lot about the science. It's all like talking in the morning. And then in the afternoon you go on a short flight. I think we fly to like Manchester and back. And oh, wow. they talk you through every single thing that's happening, all the noises, like, like a kind of special flight where they, yeah, they coach you through it. But I can fly and be okay. So it's hard because it's not every flight where I, where yeah. I, um, get really triggered and have a panic attack but um, it's basically when it, if it's really turbulent or there's out the blue out of the blue turbulence I find it really hard mm. so I'll let you know how it goes doing that yeah, this please weekend. Do. How are you feeling about doing the course? Are you quite relaxed about that because it's facing I feel a fear. quite relaxed I think even if I get a bit nervous or whatever I'm going to be in the perfect place to be reassured that it's fine and I don't know. I, maybe if other people are more scared than me, it'll make me feel better. Mm. <laughs> I'm feeling positive that it's something I really want to to get on top of. So I'm. I've been. I've booked it a while ago. So I've been every flight I've done recently that I found difficult. I've been thinking, okay, I've got the course. It's going to really help. Yeah, it's good to know that sort of help is out there, isn't it? And as you say, meeting like-minded people who are feeling exactly the same, realizing you're not alone with this. Yeah, um, it's definitely something that I just would like to kind of, I, tra- I travel so much. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to not have the, the stress of, am I going to find a flight like really difficult or not? Oh, well, I hope it goes really well for you. Oh, now, thank you. Although you talk about the anxiety of sort of packing and holidays and everything, you seem to look absolutely incredible the whole time <laughs> and extremely sort of immaculately groomed. Is that important to you? I don't feel immaculately groomed all of the time. So again, like what I was saying about social media, I'm probably more likely to share content of myself when I am made up versus when I'm not. And I'm not made up. I don't want you to think that that's me all the time. I spend half my time running around 
in lycra with no makeup on and with a man bun (laughs) (laughs) which when I'm not working I like to do because it's just like easy um I don't always feel that I need to put makeup on but I really believe in the transformative power of you know putting on an outfit that makes you feel good of you know washing your hair rather than leaving it that extra day I know it's hard when you've got kids and sometimes that does mean for me getting up at 5am or doing it like late in the evening but it, it does make me feel nicer and I love um I love products and I love putting on you know I, it does make me feel great when I put on some makeup or mm-hmm. I love I love having my hair done I love having a blow dry that always makes me feel really good and just putting on um you know a color that you feel makes you happy or an outfit that you just find you know flatters your body and that you feel good in it puts a spring in your step. I think sometimes you can, you can alter your mood, but with what you wear, I think you can dress to impress. I think you can dress for the life you want. There is a lot of power in it. If you put on a power suit, you're going to feel powerful. Yes, I totally with you. I think we shouldn't underestimate the power of fashion. And sometimes it is about those small wins, like you say, like having freshly washed hair or getting your nails done that can really yeah. boost confidence. I mean, I'm not I don't I don't want also want to say that you need to, you know, put, have a full face of makeup to feel good about yourself. Of course you don't. But it's different for everyone. I think we all discovered in lockdown, you know, the difference it could make if you actually got dressed up for a dinner at home rather than just being in your trackies for like the seventh day in a row. Yeah. I think, you know, I think we, I think lockdown really showed that, you know, the power of a bit of lippy or whatever it was, you know, but also, I also really love just, um, you know, chilling out and just doing a pamper at home as a way mm-hmm. to unwind, mm-hmm. you know, having that bath, putting your products on, doing a face mask, doing all of that at home. I really find that self-care really important as well do you find it hard to sort of schedule self-care into a busy schedule work and juggling family life it's hard you know the time with the kids and work comes first and it's not it's not the same balance every week I try to get it in when I can and my kind of non-negotiable is doing my exercise because that's something that I class as like being for my mental health um so I and I would I would pretty much class that as self-care yeah I was talking to Dr Zoe Williams on the podcast um the other week and she was talking about exercise being her medicine which I thought was such yeah. a good way of looking at it for her mind as much as yeah, the physical so benefit. true what does exercise regime look like for you in a typical week I have been really prioritizing weight training um, and I and I mainly just do strength training. That's what I do the most of, maybe four times a week. Um, and then I might run once or twice a week, just kind of 5K, just puts me in such a good mood. But it's it doesn't make me too knackered for the day. It's just like that like half an hour sweet spot. And I get to run, if I run around a park, I get that time in nature that just makes me feel really good. Mm. And ideally, maybe like a yoga or Pilates if I have time. That yeah. I feel that doing the strength training, it makes me feel strong and that makes me feel like I can kind of cope with anything. I think there's something about being in the discomfort where it's like heavy and it's hard. Mm-hmm. But you're like, I can do this. And then mm-hmm. seeing yourself progress over time where you can start to lift weights that are a bit heavier and got more endurance. You know, It makes you feel like good about yourself. Not, it's not just about having strong, obviously it's great to have a strong body, but it is about your mind as well. Yeah. Um, do you go to the gym to do the weight training or do you do that at home? 
Um, I go to the gym and I really learn to appreciate the time out the house and that that's really good for me and my mental health. Um, sometimes on the way to the gym, I'll listen to a podcast or call a friend. That's me time. You know, get there five, ten minutes early, have a little coffee, do my workout. And I like, I, I've been doing a lot of classes actually and I really like the um, class environment because I feel like you know, I'm kind of more motivated to than if I was on my own. There's no going home early, is there? You, no. You're there for but the it's three, also, 45 it's minutes quick. or an hour. It's like 45 minutes, good music, it goes quickly and then you're done. Yeah, it's true. I love a class as well. Really do. Now, we've got to talk just a tiny bit about Made in Chelsea because you did start sort of in that heyday and you were literally, you kind of grew up through quite a transformative sort of time in your life, even though it was just a couple of years. Like, how do you sort of feel looking back on that time? Is it a happy memory or is it, you know, how does it feel looking back now? It, it is a happy memory. Yeah, I was, I was twenty one, doing what really most twenty one year olds are doing, going to parties, hanging out with their mates, having one too many cocktails, having a gossip the next morning about about it, having their heart broken, falling out with friends, like all of that. And I just happened to be doing it with a TV crew there. So. Yes, <laughs> I don't ever look back and regret it. I look, I look back on it with fondness. Yeah, and yeah, there were. Sometimes it was stressful. Sometimes it really wasn't ideal having a camera there and it was it was hard. But I think because a lot of the things I went through were very real and resonated with other people, people felt like they could relate to it and to my mm. to my storylines which weren't scripted. Mm-hmm. They were they were structured in that we had to film and talk about certain things, but what I was actually going through was very real mm-hmm. and raw. I didn't hold back. <laughs> No, you didn't. It was but people like... will come up to me in the street still and be like, oh, I like, loved it when you did this or you said that. And it just makes me laugh. I always love it if someone comes up and says that to me. Do you? Um, yeah. Do you think it you and Hugo well. would be together, like now, would have got married and everything if it hadn't been for Made in Chelsea? Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah, it's part of our history. Mm. I definitely don't think we would be together now if we'd stayed together then. Yeah. Because we had because you were of, on and then off, yeah. Yeah, and we had to kind of go apart and then do our own, like both grow individually. Because we were young and we weren't, you know, we weren't in the right place to properly be in a serious, yeah. like committed, loving relationship. And that time apart, you know, it really showed us what we wanted. And then mm-hmm. when we did come back together, we were like, we just instantly knew, you know, that that was it. Wow. Did you always sort of think that he could be the one, you know, even back then? Was there a, like a little bit of you that could imagine? I mean, what... I've, I've known him since I was 16. It's really like 20 years. Um, I always had that butterfly feeling with him, you know, that like in mm. the in my stomach, like from when I when I first met him in Bougie's nightclub. So, <laughs> but I, d- I don't think it's like a 16-year-old when we first snogged that I was like, this is going to be, you know, the man that I marry and have babies with. No, and I don't think I—I I don't think I knew that at twenty-one either. It's amazing, isn't it? If you could have seen ahead into the future, the <laughs> two of you with your two girls. Now, it's a real love story. It is. It's an epic one, and I—I mm. I can't wait to tell it to them when they're older. Yeah. Will you show them the those early episodes? <laughs> well, they're be—they're going to be like, you no. Know, 
dad's cheating on mum, mum's cheating on dad. Like, they'd be horrified. Be, I think they'd be really upset. But I, I, they probably, I don't know. I hope, will it still exist online? I don't think it will ever well, go away. Well, it'll probably be like playing it on a VHS video now, won't it? They'll say, oh no, we've got this old recording. Um, but how bizarre, because obviously we can't normally show our children that sort of early stage of our relationship, luckily, <laughs> as the case may be. I hope it's quite a while away till we have to explain that one. <laughs> but yeah, that, it, it's going to be weird that they can see it, for sure. Mm, I'd love to hear how that moment goes when it, when it happens. <laughs> I'm cringing already. I'm cringing thinking about it. Oh, now you've given me two reset moments that I'm really yeah. keen to talk to you about here because I'm sure, you know, that they will resonate. And the first one is when you decided to try going alcohol free last summer and you're still alcohol free now. Is it almost a year yeah. now? Yeah, um, in August it will be yeah. a year. Wow. Without a drop of alcohol. Not a drop. Wow. So tell me, why did you decide to do this? I decided that just for my health and my mental health, alcohol wasn't, it wasn't really working for me. And I've always been someone that's got, that's had quite bad hangovers. Now, everyone, alcohol affects everyone differently. Even as like a teenager, I'd get, I'd really feel it the next day. And as I've got older, it's just got worse and worse. Mm. And, you know, it really doesn't mix well with being a mum to two young children. You're feeling hungover, the anxiety. Mm. it just really wasn't working for me and um I had a couple of things that happened over a year where I just was like no I think it was talking about three things where I was just like they were all signs and then the last one was a was I had a really bad panic attack when I was hungover and I just thought okay I do have you know I've had a little bit of anxiety for like most of my adult life but the alcohol added in it just makes it so much worse yeah and and I just I just can't I can't feel like this I can't do this to myself I never wanted to to kind of put myself in a situation where I felt like that again um so I made the decision that day to to not drink for a year and it's been nearly a year but I don't think I'm I'm not planning to you know to celebrate with a drink after a year. Mm. <laughs> I'm planning to I, I'm just planning to continue it because it's been really enlightening and I just feel like my journey's still only just beginning and it's you know like I feel like life's just getting better and better so it's definitely yeah something I feel really grateful that I've discovered like alcohol-free living I love talking about it I've had like literally so many people message me about it and ask mm. me how I'm finding it and you know the kind of podcasts and things that I've listened to um, so I'm often like sharing about it on my on my Instagram and but so many other people out there seem to really feeling the same and feeling kind of quite so curious that either on their own journeys or keen to cut back or keen to start and there's so many great alternatives that it doesn't have to be just a sparkling water or you know like just like a kind of horrid like fizzy drink so there's so many great alternatives you can still have a drink in a nice glass that feels like you're having a special you know, drink a special drink I don't think that is for everyone but I personally really like that what is your go-to I love a kombucha because it's also good for your gut and just delicious. And I have lots of different flavors of kombucha. Um, also, you get really lovely non-alcoholic sparkling wine and champagne. 
I always have some in the in the fridge, but I'll often bring mm. one to a party. What do you think is the best non-alcoholic champagne? Because I have to say, I've still been struggling to find one that I think really does. I think there's, there's brilliant non-alcoholic yeah. beers and things. Yeah, I like the non-alcoholic. Like Lucky Saint is good. Um, I like it's one called Wild Idol, and it comes in a really beautiful bottle in a really lovely box. It just feels like a treat to open it, mm. and I think that there's something in that experience. That's lovely and also naughty. Oh, okay. I haven't heard of like, that one. Have you heard of yeah. Oddbird? I've tried no. theirs. Yeah, but sometimes I've just found it hard to find a sort of champagne type equivalent without it tasting like sparkling grape juice. How did you find telling your circle of friends that you were going alcohol free? I found my, yeah, all my friends were very supportive about it. I don't think it was a big surprise because they'd they had just seen me really hungover and feeling awful. So it was something I discussed maybe before with them um, with a couple of them. I didn't feel like I needed to tell everybody straight away. I kind of just told my very closest people. I only told people when I saw them, but I didn't kind of feel the need to like tell everyone straight away. Because mm, I, I think guess some it, people feel very nervous about that, don't they? Yeah, you really notice how uncomfortable it makes people. And it often makes people really feel like they need to justify their drinking to you. So often I just have to kind of reassure people that I'm, it's not, there's zero judgment and they don't need to justify themselves having a drink. I've got no problem with it. Like I'm, I don't have a problem with being around people that are drinking. I tend to find... I've been to a few weddings now and when people start getting really drunk, it's time for me to go. I think when you're hearing the same story on repeat, it's I'm, I'm out of there <laughs> getting a cab. <laughs> and are you quite happy to do that? You don't have sort of FOMO at all? I love going to bed early. So no, I'm like, and I'm like, there. you're no one will miss you at that point. I think as yeah. you know, you get all your good conversations in early on. Mm, that's very true and the summer is full it's you know the summer especially full of all of these big sort of social occasions like weddings and society events and holidays and times when traditionally you might have drunk in the past are you coping with all of those yeah I feel like I'm now able to get so much more out of it and you know going on holiday getting up early seeing the sunrise going and doing exercise every morning because that's what makes me feel good and then feeling like I'm really getting every last second out of that holiday rather than maybe waking up on a couple of the mornings with a sore head and wanting to just stay in bed instead you know you're out there up early like going for a hike or doing something when you're with the kids and yeah I don't I definitely don't feel like I'm missing out Mm, and it can feel really alienating when you're suffering from that anxiety it's a horrible feeling when you might be suffering from anxiety anyway to make it sort of doubly bad how oh, all that, that dread oh that, yeah know, the days, waking up just, in the, the days wasted just feeling like oh like you're on holiday in a beautiful place but you just feel awful mm. because you've got a hangover like no I don't want to feel like that. I want to wake up and enjoy seize the day enjoy the day I do not miss the anxiety at all. It's so worth it to not, to, it, you know, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I see someone having like an Aperol spritz or a glass of rosé and I think, you know, that, you know, I, I, I used to love that, but it's mm. so worth it to not have the, the anxiety. So I'm not actually kind of tempted to the point of thinking I'm going to have a drink because I just know 
that feeling of feeling good in the morning is yeah it's just so worth it yeah yeah you are right and you've spoken very openly about suffering from anxiety in the past and from when you were quite little how does that sort of anxiety manifest itself for you I think in different ways I am somebody that's quite I feel like I can function quite well on anxiety because I've kind of got used to it like over the years it almost makes me be very high functioning because I get stuff done you know I don't sit still I'm very much a doer I have a constant to-do list and my therapist I haven't done the formal test my therapist actually told me recently he thinks I'm ADD right and that was really interesting to me and it really made a lot of things that connect I was like, oh, I do do that. And I am like that. And I did find school really hard. And it just has made a lot of things make sense. I think a lot of women go um, undiagnosed, Mm -hmm. more often men that are are diagnosed with it. I'm dyspraxic, which I got, which I knew at school. um, And they're often really linked. That I am, I do therapy for my anxiety. I do lots of things which I think help me to manage it. Um, you know just my daily workout meditation I'm going to like a sound bath tonight I do I love doing um, like breath work I'm really into wellness especially since I stopped drinking I'm I'm really into um, anything that makes me feel good yeah that's amazing that you've found ways to help keep it under control because the self-awareness piece is so big isn't it? Understanding what is going on, what's individual to you. I think understanding the way that you are is a big part of it. I've been listening to lots of podcasts recently and I feel like I'm on a journey of kind of self-discovery, especially since I stopped drinking, like kind of connecting with myself, doing kind of some like um, younger self work, inner child work. And I really believe that you can heal your anxiety. I don't think it's something that you can never cure. I think it's it's definitely a journey and a process, but I, I do believe that you can heal your anxiety. So, and I feel like that's the process that I'm on, I'm doing now. And, and I feel like really excited about that. Yeah. Well, I think that will be very inspiring to others that were listening. If somebody is listening and they are sort of suffering from anxiety, what is your number one sort of go-to when everything feels quite overwhelming? Your breath, knowing that there's safety in your breath And it's the number one thing that you can always rely on to make you feel safe. And you, so you have the control, even when you feel out of control, you have control of your breath and you can use it to calm yourself down. Mm. Remembering you are in, you have that power within yourself. Yeah. To ground yourself. That's really been a game changer for me. Mm. And we're going to get more into your meditation journey shortly. Just wanted to touch on um, on the subject of anxiety. And you've spoken mm. in the past about bullying that you suffered when you were yeah. younger, about being bullied to the point where you didn't and wouldn't want to go to school. How did that sort of bullying affect you and how did you deal with it? I would say definitely been part of the reason that I, you know, have had anxiety um, since my teens and into my adult life. Bullying really affected my um, self-belief. It really affected my confidence. And it made me really disassociate from myself and look for love, affection and attention in lots of the wrong ways 
it made me very angry and it made me kind of really act out as a teen and want to rebel. I'd say me and my mum kind of didn't get on so well as a teen. I felt like it kind of drove me into being angry and wanting to to rebel and yeah it was definitely a difficult time and something that I have had to work on in therapy and yeah those you know teen years and being at school was was definitely quite challenging for me and it's definitely making me think about the choices I'll make with like where my girls go to school Mm. and just wanting them to feel like they can talk to me about absolutely anything um and I you know I'm I'm hopeful that they won't have the same experience that I did Mm. because you went to boarding school would you look at boarding school for your girls I'm quite um, resistant because of my own experience, but I also don't want that to shape their mm. educational experience. If they are at an age where it feels suitable for them at the stages that they're at, and it's an option and it's like flexi or, you know, weekly possibly when they're old enough, but not unless they want to. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of how I feel about it. But mm. I'm also right now, I'm like, no. I don't, I don't want this. I can't even think about Sienna. Like Sienna no, they're still, still really still little. Yeah, you've got you've got time to think about that. And Maybe what it advice... feels like quite far away. Yeah, although it does go quickly, I have to say. Yeah, for sure. What advice would you give to your girls? Do you think if they were being bullied, or would you offer to another mother that's listening who's going through that with their daughter? Just to try to let them be in a space that, that they feel like safe to talk about it. If they feel too uncomfortable to talk to you about it, to just make sure that there are other people in your life that they feel they can talk to. Like my children have got amazing godparents that I hope that if they felt for some reason it was too hard to talk to me about it, but they wanted to talk to an adult, there are some amazing people in my life that I know would give them really good advice. And, you know, if you can take them out of the situation, that if the school aren't handling it in a way that you see fit, mm. then you take them out of that school. Yeah, I think we're so much more aware of the importance of discussing mental health and anything that's going on with us that's affecting our mental fitness compared to when we were growing up, when really those conversations weren't being had in such an open way. I don't think I even was really familiar with the word anxiety as a teen or growing up. And now I've got Sienna wanting to do meditations with me. And she does, you know, she does yoga at nursery and that's so um, lovely. I think teaching mindfulness to kids um, mm. is a really great way to get them yeah. to, you know, to, to start sitting with their feelings and going through lots of three-year-old tantrums at the moment, which mm. I call her a three-nager. Um, but I'm, really? I just say to her, like, let it out. Like, I'm like, just <laughs> scream, scream louder. Yes. And like, yeah. rather than kind of trying to shush the tantrum. Yeah, rather kind than of, repress it, to welcome in all of those emotions, you know. Yeah, I have to not say so to easy my, to do in public. No, <laughs> it's not when it happens at an inopportune moment. Or like, on the plane or something, you're like, Exactly, I know. I have to say to my son sometimes, because you can get so angry about something because it's all the raging sort of hormones, to just go and sort of punch a cushion or something, you know, to let it out, yeah. not preferably hit his younger brother, but it's okay to have that emotion, but it, and it's got to come out in some yeah. way that's I've safe got, for them. I've got a book that I read to Sienna, I think it's called In My Heart, and it talks about all your different feelings and emotions and how your heart can feel angry or sad or calm yeah. and it, all these different 
feelings and she she's really into it at the moment she wants me to read it to her every night I think she's, oh. she's very aware of feelings she's actually very intuitive and it's yeah she's very sensitive and um, but she'll really pick up on how people are feeling and like want to comfort them or it's very sweet to watch yeah is her personality very different to Aurelia's are you starting to notice those differences or similarities they're both cheeky and fiery and I love that they do have differences but they both don't want to share they're both you know can be quite stubborn but then they're both very cuddly and tactile as well they're better they both make me laugh a lot are you a very tactile family would you say yeah lots of as Aurelia calls them duddles oh she goes she's like nearly 20 months she goes duddle duddle it's my favorite <laughs> thing I don't, I don't want her to ever call it anything else so it's oh. just like, duddles if they wake up early I don't mind because I just bring them into the bed and I just think we could just have like half an hour of cuddles yeah it's a precious time isn't it that because it's not going to be happening for forever I'm nearing the stage where they're starting to come into the bed a lot less and it's sad and when they do I love it yeah I love it I yeah I really yes sometimes they wake up earlier than you kind of want them to but I just yeah I've to me it's also extra time that I get to spend with them yeah now we touched on it a bit earlier but let's go into greater details you gave me your second reset moment which is discovering meditation after your divorce and that is the divorce to professor green which is in 2016 did it get bad for you then mentally why why did meditation come about yeah so i think you know going through a, a big life change like people say you know like moving house divorce grief these are all like the most stressful things that you can go through and they're very it's a very it's a very unsettling period of time when you're going through this kind of big life change and where there is a lot of uncertainty and it definitely was a time where my anxiety was very bad and I just remember thinking I've got to just do whatever I can to help look after myself and help to just guide me through this time I remember actually at that period, there was a period where I, did, I just didn't drink at that time. I remember thinking I need, I can't handle this anxiety mm-hmm. combined with like hangovers right now. So I gave myself a kind of period of time where I just didn't drink and I did a meditation course. And this was something that a dear friend advised me to do. And so I think this will really help you. And I think I tried doing a little bit of meditation before that using an app. Um, but uh, this was the first time I'd kind of taken meditation seriously and thought I'm really going to give it a go and I did a transcendental meditation course and this is a mantra based type of meditation where you are you go and have like this like Sanskrit ceremony with your guide and they give you a mantra that's like they choose it for you and you can never tell it to anyone else and it's like a Sanskrit word and do you still like, have that word yeah okay yeah yeah and um you re- so to do this style of meditation you're meant to do 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes at some point later in the day where you just sit um you know in your kind of typical like meditation position with like an upright back somewhere comfortable and you close your eyes do you sit you- on the floor or are you on the sofa or I would do it anywhere or- anywhere yeah like maybe somewhere with like cross legs either on the, on the floor with um like leaning against something with uh, cushion on a cushion mm-hmm. so it's comfortable to be cross-legged somewhere you can relax and you know you feels peaceful and I'd close my eyes and use a t- like a meditation timer you can use apps where they 
you know, you count in for a minute where just for a minute you sit in silence and just do nothing. And then it chimes. And then for 20 minutes, you just repeat the mantra in your head. And every time you your thoughts drift, you just come back to the mantra. Wow. Did you have to train yourself to be able to do that for 20 minutes? Because yeah. that's a long time. I think when I did the, I did a couple of sessions with the kind of guide that was like the course. And I do it, I think, for longer each time. Mm-hmm. But at the beginning, it did feel really weird and really hard what you find over that time is that over that that 20 minutes you just kind of go into a deeper and deeper deeper layer of the meditation and the relaxation and it really helps to balance out your cortisol levels your body goes into this kind of restorative state and it really really helped do you have music on or anything while you're doing this or is it silent you can it depends if you want to like you know if you want to use an app that has a kind of bit of a background music but the main thing is that you're just kind of coming back to your to the mantra and the sound that the mantra makes Mm -hmm. um and you can kind of say it in your head at whatever speed you want whatever you know whatever kind of frequency and is it just one word or is it a phrase yeah a word Mm. so could you come up with your own word I'm sure you could yeah you could come up well you could anyone could do it with their own with their Mm. own word if anyone's interested in it definitely look into into transcendental meditation I mean it's available to anyone to do and I found that really helpful but then sometimes I do go back to it but I found when I I kept it up for a while I found it harder to keep up the second session but I would still often do the morning one or do even just do five minutes of it like if I was like on my way somewhere like say for example to a shoot where I had to do an interview or something and I was a bit nervous I would just sit and do it for five minutes and Mm -hmm. I would just find that like kind of helped me to recenter myself and um, I think that was the first time in my life that I really discovered the power of meditation mm. do you meditate every day now I've come back to it again now when I had my kids I found it impossible mm. I was into it when I was pregnant and I found some meditations that were specifically for like pregnancy and helped you to kind of visualize they would talk about you know visualizing being very calm during the birth and that and I found that really helpful and then after I had the girls, it, was, it felt really impossible because suddenly I didn't have my routine where I was, I couldn't just wake up or, you know, whatever time in the morning, I was suddenly being woken up and not, and not having that kind of morning routine that I would have before. So I found it really hard to have a good meditation practice for quite a while. And mm-hmm. if I, if I would do it maybe occasionally. Um, and I've got back into it, I'd say in the last year, now that my, my youngest is, um, a year and a half old and they they do often sleep till like 6 30 ish in the morning um so I, I wake up now and I try to do it before they've got up mm-hmm. and that's how and I the do house it is quiet yeah normally at like 6 a.m it's when I do it now but I, I just do like a kind of 10 minute one at the moment and then I do another one before I go to bed most nights and it's like a I do a legs up the wall one so you can I lie with my legs up the wall I often put my you'll laugh but my LED light off on oh, at the yes. same time okay so it's, I, it's a bit of a yoga yogic sort of pose as well <laughs> yeah putting your legs up the wall it's very um relaxing mm-hmm. it does I don't know the exact like scientific reason but it does something in the body where it calms the nervous system yeah so I'll, I'll do a meditation with my for ten, about 10 minutes before I go to sleep with my legs up the wall 
with an infrared kind of, mask on, with an infrared that? mask on and and the red light it really sent me to sleep i'm always pretty much asleep by the end of it and i'll just pull off the mask roll over and i'm literally asleep i had a facial the other day with an infrared um sort of mask as part of it and Did i fell asleep you sleepy? in that yeah it's really it there's something heaven. in the red light it's really it's really soothing and relaxing so because it's so warming as well mm. which brand of one do you use just out of interest the um the current body one current body okay would you recommend that one yeah I, I was actually wondering one. about one after I had this uh the facial I like it because you can you can you can strap it around your head so you can use it and like walk around and do stuff <laughs> what do the girls think of that or do they not really they actually see it, found it they, they, Sienna's found it a bit scary yeah <laughs> I it's had like, on... yeah, <laughs> one of those tooth whitening things the other day that light up blue and I was walking around upstairs and my son came out and nearly jumped out of his skin when he saw me and what is that I know Hugo was the same he walked in one night and it was like dark and I was just lying on the bed with the, with the red light mask and he's like what is going on I know it's hard to keep all of this up sometimes like if you can combine the meditation with with the mask I'm like it's just yeah. you know multitasking that is a very good idea. Good use of time because it is hard to prioritize self-care. Do you have to consciously yeah. sort of ring fence that time in your diary towards the end of the day? I do. I'll try to do so my workouts. That's I kind of count that as, as self-care. Mm. And then I'll try and book in like one thing a week that is something that's going to help me to feel centered and calm. And it might be breath work. It might be like I'm going to the sound bath tonight. Mm. Um, it might be yoga. And I'm just try, I'm trying to, or it might be a massage. It could be reflexology, um, Reiki. Mm -hmm. any of these practices um I'm into my kind of spirituality so having mm -hmm. just one thing even but I love a massage as well something that just helps you to like to just feel calm and relaxed and just have that you time you do strike me as somebody who is very calm and serene have you always been oh. that way um I think when, when I'm not feeling super anxious then yeah. yeah there is that's what's within all of us it's just like tapping into it and tuning mm. tuning down the other noise mm. oh that's great you've given me so many tips and things to look into I feel really sort of inspired to bring so you, are you, some do you meditate I don't know I do practice gratitude that's something that yeah. I've brought into my life since recording this podcast actually and talking to some of the guests that have discussed it's amazing that. it's like proven to you know boost your immunity I yeah I, I actually have talked about it for ages but I only properly started doing it quite recently and it's mm. such a lovely thing to do at the end of the day. It is. And I try to do it in the morning and at the end of the day. So I suppose it's almost like a meditative state because yeah. it takes me a few minutes to think of what the, those three things are that I'm feeling grateful for. Um, and that really does set me up for a more positive day ahead. But I'm definitely going to look into meditation. I've thought about you, it for a while and you've inspired me. There's so many different ways you can do it. There's like lots of great walking meditations. So if you're someone that walk, walks every day as part of your daily routine, mm -hmm. you can do it while you're walking, even just for 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, finally, it's your birthday coming up, 26th mm -hmm. of July. I'm 29th of July, so we're both oh, Leos. Leos. Yeah. How will you be celebrating? Oh my God, do you know what? I haven't made any plans yet. I keep thinking I, I want to plan something. 
kind of thinking maybe a day at like a country house hotel somewhere just out of London, mm. bit of sunshine, a pool, a massage. But I want to bring I want to bring the girls along, um, like mm. as in my hit my kids, but also some some girlfriends I think, and just have a kind of fun day out. Um, but I'm away the week I'm going away after just afterwards for my mum's 60th and I feel like we're going to be celebrating her birthday but I'm kind of more I feel more excited for that yeah just because it's going to be like a family trip and marking that will be very close then to your one year alcohol free I know yeah I'm definitely going to do something to mark that yeah it's going to be like towards the end of August so I'm not sure where we'll be yet but I'll be celebrating that for sure do you think you embody some of those typical Leo traits of Definitely. sort of confidence, like being the centre of attention, <laughs> um, Me? but fiercely protective nearest and dearest? Yeah, definitely. Luxury loving? <laughs> yeah, let's not lie. Yes. And big hearted. I think that's always quite a good Leo trait. I, yeah, I do. When people have told me the kind of Leo characteristics before I have to say yeah I think like that does sound like me yeah. and now I've kind of got the blonde hair to go with it <laughs> I well. know our manes we've both our got mains. quite big Leo manes today actually haven't we oh well happy birthday um thank and you. thank you so much for talking to me today I really really enjoyed it we covered a lot and there were tons of takeaways and you've definitely inspired me about meditation there so thank you oh thank you I yeah and ch check out that um alcohol free champagne as well. I will do actually that's perfect isn't it for the birthday I will yeah. treat myself to a bottle of that. Uh, well, happy birthday to you too. I really enjoyed talking to Millie then. She was so open on so many subjects. I was kind of furiously noting down all of her tips, especially those about great non-alcoholic drinks to go for this summer. But my three key takeaways from this conversation, I think would have to be, number one, facing your fear. I thought it was really brave of Millie to go on a fear of flying course. And the fact that she's decided that she doesn't want to live with this phobia of flying and doesn't want to have panic attacks in front of her children on the plane. So dealing with a fear head on is a really brave thing to do because none of us have to live in that state for the rest of our lives. So I found that really inspiring. Number two, Millie was so passionate about the power of fashion. She talked about how colour makes her feel happy and it really can affect your mood and improve confidence. So I think really looking at your wardrobe with the intention of it being a self-care act is a really interesting way to look at how you wear things. And number three, meditation. I've thought about this for so long. You know, should I get into meditating? Could I? And she's really inspired me to give it a go. And I'm going to see whether I could perhaps build up to 20 minutes. It will be a test of willpower as much as anything. But I think if I start to carve out that time, I'll be really interested to see the benefits that I feel. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with your friends and I'd be so grateful if you could leave us a rating or a review. Don't forget to sign up to the In A Good Place newsletter for more discussion around personal development tips, the concept of resetting for success and to share your thoughts with me. Simply visit hellomagazine.com and click on the newsletter icon at the top to register. I'll see you next time.